um, um, are defense mechanisms that we've used in order to survive. That they have allowed us to continue because each one of them in some particular way shuts us down. And it shuts us down in ways that have enabled us to continue because we haven't found the support, the conditions, the teaching, the environment, um, uh, the strength yet to open to the pain underneath them. And so it feels really important, at least it has been for me, not to see them as horrible energies that in some way are killing me off, but rather as slightly deluded friends. <laughs> who haven't had the benefit of insight yet. And so that, so when I feel those energies, it is saying something to me about what's going on underneath them. And just to acknowledge that. Everything you've shared, everything we've shared is an acknowledgement of how difficult it is to feel the pain of being alive in a human body. It's both enormously joyful and enormously painful. And it takes great strength to actually open to both. And part of the sharing of us together is creating a condition, hopefully, where because it brings some ease and we know we're not alone, we can allow some opening to feel the feelings that we're feeling that are underneath the shame and judgment and blame. And that, that is, that's the invitation our hearts are calling us to, is to actually feel the feelings underneath. And that the more we're able to feel our despair or anger or shame or pain, the more space we actually find for joy, for excitement, for enthusiasm, and for, um, for happiness. In that understanding then comes our capacity to also understand that we are on a path and that there is never ever a good reason not to love ourselves on our path. Given that there are all these old defense mechanisms, our work, our work here is to remember and to remind each other that we actually also have a really good best friend who's wise. And that best friend, that part of ourselves says, we are always deserving of love. We are always deserving of love, no matter what is happening. So when we find ourselves, for example, in excruciating pain and, and flipping, flipping out altogether, then we are deserving of love. When we are feeling strong and together, we are deserving of love. When we feel alienated because we are yet asking again for help, 
we are deserving of love. That friend is our best friend and that friend is our wisest friend. Because we are alive, just because we are alive, we are deserving of love and respect. It is the basic human right that we are deserving of love and respect. We we have that vision for the society we live in. We have that vision for the relationships that our partners and children and lovers and families and workers would respect us and, and love us in the kind of spiritual love. I'm talking about that, that issuing of kindness from our hearts. We are cultivating that relationship within ourselves. That's our vision. That is our deepest vision to, in each moment, no matter what we find, to trust that we have the capacity to love ourselves and to respect ourselves and to call on that. The law of karma, according to the Buddhist teaching, is that every intentional act will bring a consequence. And if we have just the intention to love ourselves, no matter if love comes up in the next moment or not, just that intention, we are actually creating the field of love. At some point, that intention will blossom as a reality. And that's how we actually heal and transform. It's through that law. So just as there is a physical law of gravity, there is this law in the mind, which is that every seed will bring a fruit. Because of the conditions, we don't know when that fruit will happen. It is not a linear relationship, and we're all acknowledging that. So again, we could be the most loving person in the world and be in acute pain all the time. That Those two things can go together. We can actually have a deep sense of awareness and live with despair and depression. Because awareness doesn't insist that we be different. It holds how we are with understanding. Oh, honey, you're despairing. Because it feels so painful to open up to what's underneath the despair. That's okay. It's okay. I know I'm learning. I'm learning how to open to you. I want you to know that. And in that relationship of kindness, something already changes. So our vision of kindness and of presence is the vision that then supports us in a number of different strategies. And so I want to give a couple of different strategies the Buddha talks about in the suttas. And the first strategy and the one that I have found the most important of all strategies, which some of you have already mentioned, is to drop the storyline. There actually cannot be healing if we don't drop the storyline. That's it. Healing of the mind, because sometimes our bodies heal and we keep the storyline. For healing of our minds and hearts, impossible without dropping the storyline. So that's it. By definition, a storyline is negative in some way. Because if it was a true perception, there would be love there and a clarity and an openness. If there's a storyline, if you've had a thought more than three times, you're in a story. 
that's kind of the definition I found for myself. I have, I have. Um, um, there are many that are, there's like shelves and shelves and shelves of the teachings of the Buddha, especially if you include all the lineages and probably each one of us can triple those shelves with the storylines that we've created and rehearsed over and over again, just to acknowledge that's what a defended mind does. To hold the emotion in place, a story is created. It is that slightly deluded friend saying, here, let me help you out for now. Our good friend knows that and says, I know you're slightly deluded. I'm not going with your perception of how life is in this moment because I know it's inaccurate. In the same way, if we were to walk on a path and 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 see something on the path and think, oh my God, it's a snake. Oh my God, I don't know anything about snakes. I don't have snake my kit. Oh my God, oh my God. And go into a total panic attack and it's a stick on the path. I've done that, so I'm speaking from experience. So we are seeing a snake when it's a stick. That's the nature of a storyline. So just to know it, no blame, no judgment, just to know. This is the way the mind is taking care of us and we are learning to be our best friend by noting it and dropping the storyline. If we drop the storyline of saying, oh, this is a snake, then we have the opportunity to actually look and see, well, what is here? So the next thing after we drop the storyline is to actually inquire, what is happening? What actually is happening? What's happening in my body? Oh my God, like, you know, coming out of surgery and knowing something's terribly wrong because I'm not being able to walk and totally freaking out. And I know we've all gone through this. I'm never going to walk again. This is it. I've been in bed for a long time. And, um, and it's like, oh, oh. Drop the storyline, come to the body. Oh, here's my pounding heart. Oh, here's the contraction. Here's the sweating. Here's my clenched teeth. Here's my clench. Here is, here is what's happening in the body. And can I allow what's happening in the body? In the same way there was the invitation for this morning of, oh, this is part of nature. You know, this is a volcano right now. This is, this is what a volcanic eruption is like right now. Just sort of, or a big storm and that pounding. Oh, just like nature. Or just like hundreds of thousands of people alive right now facing the same thing. This is a universal experience and I'm part of it. Hot, pounding, clench tight. So. One strategy is to drop the storyline and to go to the body and to notice the sensations in the body. If it feels really impossible to do that, it's like as soon as we try to go to the body, we're in the storyline. As soon as we go into the body, we're in the storyline again and we're, we're, we're in that, I don't know if you, you, you probably all of us at some point or another have experienced like a really big wave in the ocean pounding or something similar to that. So you're being pounded by the emotion. 
then the other strategy is to say, okay, cut. Absolutely cut this. I'm not going there and sing a song. <laughs> um, uh, uh, what was that one? Uh, something, London Tower is falling down, falling down, <laughs> falling down. I mean, any song. It doesn't matter what song, but to actually give your mind a whole different space to reside in. Because if the mind can't open to what's happening, what it's saying is, I need more time. I need more time. And in order to have some kind of space to get the strength to open, you, we need to place our minds in a more restful place. And one of the more restful places that I found that really works is to sing. It doesn't matter how stupid the song is to sing. And to, to sing until you feel slightly different. After you've created a little bit of space, the next thing might be to go into the meta meditation, the loving kindness meditation that we're going to go into. So, so it's opening to it by dropping the storyline, going into the body sensations as much as you can, coming out, noticing sounds, noticing the touch of air on the skin, some more neutral places, the breath, and then going back into the body sensations. Sometimes that works. If it doesn't work, going, putting the mind in a place that has some sense of energy and joy, because when we're working with very difficult emotions, it's like it sucks the energy out of the mind, and we want to energize the mind again and strengthen it in order to bring it back to the feelings that are underneath. So singing, actually anything creative, is, it brings something positive to the mind. Loving-kindness meditation, one other practice that I did for a year is a gratitude practice where I would make myself write down 30 things that I'm grateful for. Or the other thing I would do is this, I would get a rattle and I go, so you'll have to excuse me. I'm really thankful <laughs> for my, so it's the struggle, for my living room chair. It's so comfortable. <laughs> and I'm so grateful for the picture on the wall. So it doesn't matter what you choose. <laughs> you either write it or sing it. And, you, and that's it. You do not get to stop for 30 minutes. For, this is for those of us who are like in bed for a lot of the time, for a lot of our days, or, um, or waiting in hospitals. And I, I, I sit there and I do this. I'm just like singing to myself. I'm so grateful that I can hear. Thank you, ears. I'm so grateful I can see. Thank you, eyes. And it's amazing how many things we find that we are grateful for. So the more out of tune you are, the better. <laughs> so then you don't get caught up in the song. You stay with the gratitude. So that's, so that's, so that's, a, that's the, uh, another strategy. Of course, coming to the breath is another strategy. We're talking about talking and sharing. There is one other strategy, and that is if you can drop the storyline and take the essence of that energy and ask it what it's trying to teach us. Mm -hmm. 
fear. Mm. Not, I'm never going to walk again. But fear, I feel you. I'm bowing down to you. Tell me what is it that you want to tell me. So it isn't from the head. It's actually from the heart. I'm scared. I'm really, really scared. I'm so scared I can hardly contain it. Of course you are. Of course you're scared. Just following it, and really, and as soon as there's that, that kind of openness to learning what it is that it has to teach us, there's some kind of opening that happens. So following what's happening and being willing to learn from it what it has to teach us, because really. In a way, everything is a teacher. There isn't anything that isn't important, you know. So, um, in that way, we're honoring ourselves. And then, lastly, to say from from uh, Larry shared so beautifully his path that one of the greatest blessings of of working with um, the um, with ongoing pain and illness in my life has been that. I've learned to love my bodies in ways that I just never did. I had learned to appreciate my body in ways that I never have. I mean, the parts that are still functional feel such a miracle to me. So, um, learning to love, that I, I feels like one of the greatest blessings we all have here is that through what we go through, we learn to love with such depth and compassion. It's an amazing blessing. So, um, and the ways that we learn to hold all of the world and our communities especially. So, um, so let's, do, would you like to take a break before we do a short a meta meditation? Let's take a let's take a short break and then we'll do the meditation and then go to the next um, 